Hi everyone, this is Darius Sulam from Inside Scientific, the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Hashtag Expert Answers. Today we are joined by Dr. Martin Young, Professor of Medicine at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Recently, Martin joined us to discuss how 24-hour circadian rhythms and metabolism affect cardiovascular function. Let's dive in. First question I have for you. For the time of day feeding studies, do you think the cardiac benefits observed when nutrients are restricted towards the beginning of the active period are due to direct effects on the heart or secondary to systemic effects? That's a great question, Darius. Thank you very much. To be honest, I think that it's a combination of, of the two. So when, whenever you perform these whole body studies, so these in vivo uh, model studies, you are going to have alterations in a large number of organs. And so as I already sh showed in some of the studies that when you perform this time of day restricted feeding, that you are impacting a whole host of cardiometabolic parameters that in turn are going to have influences on the myocardium. So by doing this time of day restricted feeding, one of the things that we think is happening is that you are helping to synchronize the heart with neurohumeral factors, as well as all the other organs in the body. Because during obesity, it seems that you develop an internal dyssynchrony or a circadian misalignment seems to be happening where different organs, unfortunately, aren't necessarily doing what they're supposed to in terms of temporal control. And so you get alterations in normal rhythms in various parameters. So I think it's a combination. Great, thank you so much. Here's another one for you. What are your thoughts on the effect of types of fatty acids, saturated and unsaturated, and their effect on metabolic flexibility slash cardiac health? That's a very good question. So clearly there, there are very, there, there are quite a large number of fatty acids and saturated versus unsaturated are two classifications. Classically, when we do these, these animal-based studies, we're often giving a large proportion of saturated fats. These saturated fats are probably more detrimental when we are looking at parameters such as cardiometabolic dysfunction and also cardiac dysfunction. And that's going to be through a large number of mechanisms. And so, of course, you know, some are things like very direct Things like palmitate, which is a saturated fatty acid, can go on to make signaling molecules like ceramides. And those in turn lead to toxicity, lipotoxicity in cells and sphingolipids as well. So to the answer to your question, uh, you know, there's definitely the evidence suggests that saturated fats are more detrimental. But it's, it's such a heterogeneous population <laughs> there that there's a lot of things going on. Wonderful. Intermittent fasting is a hot topic. Have you looked at intermittent fasting on your outcomes? And if not, can you speculate on this? Yeah, it's a really good question. So, you know, intermittent fasting is, is a very heterogeneous term. Different people perform intermittent fasting in, in different ways. Some folks um, will fast for an entire day, and then the next day they'll eat, and then they'll fast for an entire day, or so on and so forth. 
Some people perform intermittent fasting where they only allow themselves to eat in an eight-hour window during the day, and then for the remaining 16 hours, they're going to fast. And without question, intermittent fasting has benefits for cardiometabolic disease, and, and even now it seems cardiovascular outcomes as well. One thing we would like to understand is what is the connection here with these circadian clocks and and does the time at which you break that fast, so basically the period during you're consuming food, say for somebody who's eating eight hours a day and fasting for 16 hours, is it important to consider what time of day that you are actually consuming the diet? It's a little bit more tricky to do in a rodent, I'm not going to lie. I don't know if you noticed, but for many of our studies, we tried not to fast the rodents, at least more recently, for longer than four-hour periods at a time. And that's simply because of the, the very high metabolic rate of rodents that it's difficult to equate what a an eight-hour, well, actually a 16-hour fast in the human is not the same as a 16-hour fast in a rodent. Not at all. I think the, the rodents metabolic rate is, is about eight times faster than humans. And so we have not been trying to model that fasting for an entire day and then feeding and fasting and feeding. But, but there's clearly, there are benefits. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for that one. Here's another one for you. We're running out of time here, but I'll try and squeeze in as many as I can. While you did not show the effects of carbohydrates, we have shown that even low glycemic index foods taken at dinner have a worse postprandial glycemic response than a high GI meal taken during breakfast. So could you please comment on whether early time-restricted feeding in general than later time-restricted feeding? Yeah, this is, that's a wonderful question. Certainly, the, the time of day at which nutrients are consumed is going to then be influenced by digestion and absorption. So in the case of carbohydrates, if you consume them for breakfast or for dinner, you're going to have a very different pattern in the spike of glucose in the circulation after that, that meal. And also then that's going to involve also then the response of the beta cells to help you know, bring the glucose back down. So the patterns are going to be very different. So for our studies, we focused mainly on how much the animals were consuming, and we did not look at digestion and absorption. And, and this is something that, that is absolutely circadian regulated, both carbohydrates as well as fatty acids as well. Digestion and absorption is undoubtedly affected by the time of day. And so you, you bring up a, a wonderful question there. Thank you. I think we have time for just one last more question here. So how does the data translate clinically? Should lipids and proteins be consumed all as the very first meal? And what should we consume at dinner as best for cardiac health? Well, so again, there haven't been a large number of highly controlled clinical studies. So right now I can only show you the data we have for rodents as well as then the, the few studies that have been done in humans. And usually the studies in humans were done in healthy populations. Some studies have been done in obese individuals to look to see whether there's any weight loss. But 
I am not aware of any controlled studies that have been done in patients that, for example, have heart disease. There are epidemiologic studies, and that I really didn't talk about today, that have tried to understand in individuals that, say, skip breakfast, what is their risk of cardiovascular disease? And again, once again, risk of cardiovascular disease is is higher in individuals who skip breakfast. But those aren't causative studies, unfortunately. They're epidemiologic observations. So we really need to do more to understand this. We need highly controlled clinical studies that are translating some of the work that, that we, as well as others, are doing to see how specific patient populations would respond to time of day feeding. And really, we just, we just don't know at this stage. So I, I'm very cautious about how to answer this question in specific patient populations. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune in to future episodes where researchers, just like you, answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.